0: I have not like really eaten real food today. I just got back to New York like last week, and we ate out all weekend. I have not grocery shopped, and I thought I had like mm-hmm. snack food, which I also do not have. So it, yeah. I literally am just eating candy and drinking wine because Macy's <laughs> was selling like leftover Advent calendars for like six dollars. So I got like three of them. Oh my gosh.
1: <laughs>
2: Welcome to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas. (laughs) It's the beginning of 2022, which means we're going to be talking about our very first new musical contender of the season. Probably not a very strong contender. It's Flying Over Sunset. We actually both saw it twice. We saw its first performance and its last performance. Oh my god, I didn't even think about it that way. It didn't change much. It really didn't. um... It didn't have a lot of time, to be fair. I, but, I mean, that's what normally previews, you know. Were there specific changes you were hoping for? To, like,
0: take over a brief summary real quick. Um, <laughs> so Flying Over Sunset is about three people who all basically do LSD in the 50s. And those three people are Aldous Huxley, known for writing um, Brave New World. Uh, Carrie Grant, known for, like, you know, movie musicals and all that. And... Claire Booth Luce who I don't really know what she's known for but she was like a senator and also wrote screenplays and did a ton of other stuff too um and basically it's like nothing happens in this show in terms of like an actual plot but basically they each do LSD separately and then they all do LSD together and then there's a fourth character Gerald Hurd who he's like not really famous but he's also a historical figure and he brings everybody together and sort of like guides them on their trip and i just thought that they were going to expand his part a little more because all the first like non-official reviews were all just like he seemed like he should have been a main character and even just like with i think they did cut some dialogue because it was shorter but i could not tell you what they cut Mm. um but i think just making it more i don't know focused i guess was something that i was expecting but from the from what I remembered of the first watching, it really didn't feel like almost anything had changed.
2: It also felt shorter to me the second time in general, because I think I knew what was going on. But the first time, like both of Claire's hallucination sequences just went on forever. I think part of it is because she has those songs that blend into one another. But like, it was just so long the first time and it was a lot less painful the second time. But I don't think that's because they improved anything. I think it was just because I knew it was, like, I already knew the plot. And I kind of knew that, like, there were some fun parts to look Mm -hmm. forward to. Because Lily was like, this is so slow. And I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Don't worry. The second act's coming. (laughs) I was like, I promise it'll be a little better. It's, like,
0: unanimously agreed that the second act is better. Because that's when they actually all talk to each other.
2: And, like, I don't actually know if the second act is, like... I don't know if it has like that much more meat to it. I think like there's just like funnier and more upbeat songs because mm-hmm. like Ohm is funny and Huxley knows is kind of funny and everything that Cary Grant does is funny <laughs> in the second act. I think
0: they'll also because the first act, we're really just like learning about these people. And so, I mean, we don't have, it's very much not a traditional musical structure. Like, there's not really i want songs or anything but it's as if like the whole first act is just a series of i want songs without them being i want songs you know like it's not really it's like okay first we're gonna introduce you to aldous huxley and then you see aldous huxley being like tripping acid and then um And then you see Cary Grant in his psychiatrist's office, also on acid. Because they're kind of each doing it individually, it's truly not that interesting.
2: Yeah. You just kind of learn, like, why this character is the kind of person that is taking acid. What would you say is... Are there reasons for doing acid? Because I think for the most part, it's like they're trying to find closure with some shit. But then it also seems like for Huxley, it's like truly kind of an intellectual exploration.
0: I agree with that. Yeah. Like for Huxley, because I mean, he I haven't actually read any of his works, um, but he seems like the guy who's just like interested in life. I
2: guess Gerald is basically the drug pusher, really. Um, and he's like a very, he's like a drug pusher, but like masked in like an academic hippie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, on Gerald's
0: Wikipedia, first of all, his full name is Henry Fitch Gerald Hurd. So I guess he dropped the first half of that name. Um, (laughs) but it describes him as a British born American historian, science writer, public lecturer, educator, and philosopher. He was a co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous.
2: Yeah, well, when Henry was like, acid is so much better than alcohol, I was like, I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I really don't know. Um, but when he was like, well, however many car accidents are due to drunk driving, I'm like, I'm pretty sure acid driving would be really bad. <laughs> like, it's just not legal, but it could be terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. When the stars, when the stars begin to, something, and the dark, (sighs) when the stars begin to fade, fade, of
3: course, and the dark,
1: to dawn.
3: Dawn. A bit hokey, no?
1: As the dancers bow, farewell for now. The music plays
0: on. We've kind of talked like obliquely about them, but I guess in general, how did you feel about the songs?
2: I don't hate them, but. I don't really know if they stand alone without the show. There's a solid like five songs I would go listen to, but I'm also not confident that I would like them on their own. Mm. Like the the
0: song that Huxley and his wife sing, I do really like. And then the title song, I think just, I don't know if it's because I've heard it so much. So it's like Stockholm Syndrome, but I do get that like... (laughs) That one phrase just sort of stuck, and I always I remember liking like Huxley knows and the twenty third ingredient, which is the f- final song. But I like couldn't really tell you what the melody's like at all. It's definitely a different type of music than any other new musical has, I'd say. So that was kind of nice in that sense, but I do think a lot of the scenes just like the songs blended together. But fun fact, James Lapine, who both wrote the book and directed it, originally asked Steven Sondheim if he wanted to do this, and he was like, no. <laughs> and then, according to James Lapine, and I don't know if this was a joke or not, but it was just like in an interview with him, he was like, he regrets that now. I was like, okay. <laughs> I don't know if Steven Sondheim's like, <laughs> last regret was not doing Flying
2: Over Sunset. So the first number is the music plays on, which you said you really like. Yeah, it is just like this sort of like waltzy
0: thing, but I did find it interesting that this was how they decided to start the show because it's just Huxley on an empty stage and he's like trying to remember the lyrics to the song and then his wife comes and helps him basically fill in the blanks and then they dance together while every like the rest of the company starts coming on and walking around the stage. And this scene with Huxley and his wife is kind of like repeated in the second act but like while he's actually on LSD or like while you know he's on LSD and it's almost the same exact scene but extended and um, like Mm -hmm. I just couldn't really figure out why they chose this scene to start the show
2: I have like some thoughts I think one like The type of song it is. And then also, like, the way that Huxley's wife appears and the way that she's dressed and how they're dancing is, like, very 50s. Like, they're like, this is the 50s. Mm. And it's, like, a good setting. Like, a good way to, like, tell you where you are, kind of. And then my other thought, which I only thought about after sitting in the mezzanine for the second time, (laughs) is that like maybe she's already dead Mm -hmm. and because it's just like it's like what you said it's like it's literally the same scene as when he takes lsd later and like hallucinates about her and she completes the lines to the lyrics of the song and she does that in the same thing at the very beginning of the show and it's like who the fuck just does that um so like I feel like maybe she's already dead or like they're foreshadowing to it because then when they're dancing, um, it's like a very tap heavy musical, I guess. And like, but it's kind of like stomping tap. I don't really know. But all of the <laughs> the rest of the rest of the company starts slowly filing on stage um, from like the wings and I think also from the aisle a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they just are wearing tap shoes and they just walk around the stage in circles at like very different tempos until they all fall into this circle. And they're kind of like evenly spread apart with Huxley and his wife in the middle waltzing, but they're all slowly moving counterclockwise. So it like really looks like a ticking clock that's moving backwards. Mm. So like maybe they're just kind of starting the show at the end kind of thing. Huh. Because then they just randomly go back. Like the next immediate scene is like when she's alive and they're just chilling at a drugstore.
0: Yeah, that's yep. interesting. I do feel like if the show had a tiny bit more framing, it probably could have worked better. So, so they should have done the song a third time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at, at the, the end. <laughs> with him alone or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of like that idea that it's like... I don't know, LSD takes you back in time when you were happy or something like that. But, and it, like, I don't know, helps you recall things, which I think is actually true. I, I like, listen to this thing where apparently if you're, like, on, I don't know about LSD specifically, but I think they did this with, like, psilocybin or MDMA. But it, like, sort of makes your brain more elastic or something. So, you know how, like, adults have trouble learning languages, apparently? If they did studies with, like, Doing that while on psilocybin or MDMA actually helped them retain new languages better. Yeah. So that is a thing. But yeah, I mean, I do like the song a lot. I think it's a really good melody. Um, And I'm interested to hear if they do like a full version of just the song without any interruptions on the cast recording, because there are like sort of interjections during song as Huxley is trying to remember the words. But Mm -hmm. I think it is like, I'd say it's probably the best melody of the show.
2: It's like a pretty standard melody, but it's just like a very memorable and strong melody as opposed to the rest of the songs. (laughs) The rest of the songs are just like a, it's basically like the melody equivalent of a stream of consciousness. It's just, it's just there. And it's not like the lyrics make up for it either.
0: But yeah, but then we go like straight into like there's not even a, a scene change really. It's just like a all of a sudden the lights turn on and you're in this like drugstore and you're like holy shit there's a set. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah,
0: because Lincoln Center Theater it's huge. Like the the stage is this gigantic thrust stage, and all of a sudden then there's just like drugstore shelves on stage, and you're like,
2: I would have loved to have seen my fair lady from the mezzanine because you know how they just like literally push up random pieces mm. of set and you're like that thing is massive how did it fit back there yeah. i like would have loved to seen to have seen that it's so weird <laughs> um the set for this entire show is crazy and mm-hmm. might be the best part of it um, <laughs> yeah. but we're at rexel drugstore in hollywood the largest drugstore in the country or something in the world um yeah they're in this beautiful drugstore i mean it's massive i bet their makeup section is phenomenal <laughs> um and they also sell coffee table books of paintings
0: i think carrie grant was the most fun to watch in this show but i just really liked huxley as a character the most i think during this scene in the drugstore, he was just, like, freaking out about it. He's like, oh, my God, there's a whole coffee table book of Botticelli. Like, I bet he wouldn't have never predicted that this could happen. And, like, I think just the way that he approached things was really, it was just really earnest.
2: Like, yeah, so, like, his dialogue's very quirky. He's fun to listen to. And he, yeah, like, I really liked him, too. But then, like... I don't really understand him as a as a character because like at first I thought that he was just this like like this academic guy who was like exploring the boundaries of the brain and all of this shit and just like very new age and interesting but then like Towards the end of the show, they're like, yeah, so he fell in love with this 15-year-old Polish immigrant who's lesbian. And I was like, I don't know, like, what this says about him, like, why it's even mentioned in the show. Like, what am I supposed to get from that? I don't understand him as a character anymore. Mm -hmm. What? Well, I mean, part of it during that
0: scene was they were talking about, like, oh, he had, like, a perfect marriage because both Claire and... Carrie had very like problematic marriages and he was kind of like oh it really wasn't that perfect and so then he mentions that and but then they don't do anything with it
2: but then Carrie grant like earnestly is like sounds like you had a beautiful marriage man because I guess his marriage is just way worse so also <laughs> concerning but back to the drugstore he picks up this Botticelli um coffee table book and he sees a painting of some... Of Judith, who just cut off a man's head. Yep. <laughs> and um, and then that's when his, like, first acid trip starts. And then he sees these two girls come down from, like, a castle tower with a head in a basket. Again, this show, it sort of does a thing where it,
0: like, touches a lot of things on a very surface level, but doesn't quite go into it deeply because there's this one part where like he sees judith like in front of him and he's like wow what an amazing woman like she just cut off this guy's head or something and judith (laughs) says something like oh but like i'm not the same as how botticelli portrayed me like like this man portrayed me incorrectly or something and like and it's just like this brief moment that is not explored further and i was like okay, like,
2: cool, cool, like, you know, that is probably true. Yeah, she's like, courage isn't just bloodshed, like, how men think of it or whatever. And, yeah. And then we never come back to it. Exactly, yeah. Again.
0: So it was kind of like, a lot of the show is sort of like, so, what was the point of that one? <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. But it was cool. Um, He also, like, can suddenly see out of both eyes because he's been, like, blind in one eye from the age of two or something and he's like oh my god that was wild
2: and well also in this scene we already find out that his wife is has breast cancer i don't think there's like a lot of spoilers in this show but there are a number of scenes with like shock factors the light i'm seeing
1: the light
2: (laughs) it's wondrous
1: oh my lord wondrous light has dimension it's fully 3D the wavelengths and myriad colors i see the electromagnetic spectrum a prism of color a rainbow to sun.
2: and the next we go and pay Carrie Grant a visit at his wife's psychiatrist's office um and yeah like you said earlier basically he's like my wife loves this drug i want it the psychiatrist is like no I'm not a drug pusher. And he's like, I'm (laughs) Cary Grant. Give me the fucking drug. And he's like, okay. So, um, he takes it. And then he has a song called, I have it all where he's basically just like, I'm so rich, but I hate myself. And then he has a song called funny money, which is a tap number. And it's weird.
0: Like he sort of has this, I guess like cognitive dissonance between, Cary Grant, like who he is on screen and stuff, versus him as an actual person, which I guess is fairly true for a lot of actors and or like famous celebrities. Um because everybody sees Cary Grant and they're like, oh, you must have the perfect life, and like you have it all. But he also is like kind of depressed. Um, but then Funny Money, because he grew up um uh, like singing and dancing in music halls. So all of a sudden, he sees this child version of himself, who I literally thought was a girl for the entire time that the song happened the first time we saw it. Like, I did not think that that was a child version of himself. I thought that was just some random girl that he was hallucinating. And because his mom used to dress him in girls' clothes, they basically do a tap dance number together. And it's very fun to watch. And both Tony Yazbek and Atticus Ware, they're both very good at tap dancing.
2: And it was just a fun number to watch. It's like pretty upsetting too. Um, I mean, we learned that the kid looks like a girl because his mom used to dress him like a girl on purpose and he hated it and he didn't really know why. Then his dad sent his mom off to an insane asylum just down the street without telling him. So he just didn't have a mom anymore when he was like 10. And his dad was like, yeah, I don't know. Your mom disappeared. And then... Um, then his dad dies, I think, eventually, mm-hmm. and he becomes famous, and then he learns about where his mom is, so he goes back and gets his mom out of the insane asylum, and his mom has no idea who he is, and he's a very sad boy. Yeah. It's a pretty upsetting <laughs> number. It's just like, and then like at one point, he like freaks out and um, thinks that the psychiatrist is his dad, and mm-hmm. like both him and the younger version of him are like, hella scared of his dad because i guess he was like abused as a child it's like a weird song there are parts of it that are like really funny and also like very strenuous tap dancing where everyone's very excited but some of it is very sad it is i think it does do a good job of setting up his
0: issues though because after seeing huxley you're just like wow What a great time. He's having such a ball doing LSD. Like, he's just having a fun time. Yeah. But then you see Cary Grant, and it's like the opposite of everything you just saw, where it's like, here's all your deepest, like, neuroses and your internal conflicts that you've just been carrying around with you, like, front and center.
2: Although, you know, according to him, he's had other more fun experiences too, which. (laughs) we'll see in the second act yeah I mean I guess like the thing <laughs> is I
0: didn't really see why Cary Grant would continue doing LSD and to be fair like in the second act when they're all trying to do LSD together he is the most resistant to it because also he's only ever done it in a psychiatrist's office but I just after that I was like would I have wanted to do this again if this was what happened like I don't know.
1: Papa's in the part too much. Mumsy's brewing bathtub hooch. Sissy sells the sailors, kissy, wissies brother picks the pencil. Nancy,
3: sissies. Gramps
1: is Prince and phony quid. Nana. Flips
3: the arms box lid, I knew I knew it.
1: Me, I juggle plates and make them spin. And the funny money rolls right in.
3: Right in. Now the, now the funny, funny money rolls right in.
2: The last person we meet is Claire and she is chilling in her big ass garden with Gerald again who's also her friend and she he also gives her some acid and mm. um she has like it's like kind of it's like a positive version it's more positive compared to Carrie Grant's experience but it's also like a little eerie um, And this is like also the one where I have no idea which song is which, but I actually like a lot of them
1: mm-hmm.
2: Um, because a Sapphire dragonfly and someone, I have no idea where that cuts. I think I know where it cuts to flying over sunset, but it's, it's questionable. Um, But she's, she's on LSD and she lost her mother and daughter six years apart, both to car crashes. And it's like kind of recent. So she's, also a very sad person and she like sees both of them when she's on lsd and but it's like unlike huxley and his wife like he she knows they're dead like huxley is kind of like i don't know if she's dead like this is my life now and then like when his wife disappears he like flips out Mm -hmm. um yeah like he doesn't seem like he's like very aware that Maria Marie I don't yeah. Maria Maria mm-hmm. is dead um, but like Claire is very well aware that her mom and her daughter are dead because she's just like she's like oh my god you're so beautiful had I known you were gonna die I would have like spent all of my time with you and like not have done any of my career shit but yeah it is like
0: kind of tragic for her that she lost both people in such a similar way because that's I would be so scared of cars if I were her
2: yeah And on top of that, her husband's cheating on her. So she's got a lot of problems. Yeah. When she was like, when she was like, Gerald, I feel closer to you than I am to Henry sometimes. I'm like, is that a compliment? Because Henry sounds like an asshole.
0: (laughs) But so the the three songs are Sapphire, Dragonfly, Someone, and Flying Over Sunset. And... I think someone is where when her daughter and mother actually come onto the stage and she's like talking to them more because she's like, oh, why would God take away someone like you? Because she's also she became a Catholic after her daughter died. Um, But then Flying Over Sunset is more of a like reminiscence of because Gerald's like, oh, remember how much fun we used to have in L.A.? Like, you should come back and visit. Like, we'll have fun again. I think in this song... She's talking about like flying over sunset, like over Sunset Boulevard, and like flying as a like metaphorical term, like presumably in a car or something. I did find it amusing that she mentions the Hollywood Land sign. It's like I think the lyrics are something like flying over sunset over Hollywood and Vine, which is an intersection. Flying over sunset past the Hollywood Land sign, and I just found it funny because I'm like, yeah, they needed an extra syllable there, and lucky for them, at that point, the Hollywood sign was Hollywood Land. Works out. <laughs>
2: I didn't know that either. I see a dragonfly, a sapphire
1: dragonfly, a brilliant shimmering of iridescent wings. A flawless specimen of heaven's handiwork. If only heaven were as flawless as its be. again his flawless specimen and it reminds me
2: of the way that he took you and then okay so like the next scene is doesn't have any songs but it's basically like Huxley is getting interviewed because he's talking about LSD and he's like it's great it makes you introspective and then Maria and Gerald are watching him on a TV and um Maria is like, he's so confident, I love him, and then Gerald is like, he's being made out to be this drug pushing hippie. And then and then you see her be very, very sick. And then Gerald is like, Are you gonna be okay? And she's like, Take care of Huxley for me, Gerald. And scene. Yeah.
0: Well, in the next scene, Gerald and Huxley are in a restaurant in LA. And that's when they see Claire. And Gerald's like introducing Aldous and Claire to each other and then they like just you know randomly see carrie grant sitting at a table by himself it's really funny because they have this like big booth thing that they're sitting in and then carrie grant has this like tiny table in a corner and then claire just like convinces him to go join them
2: yeah basically she's like let's all take acid together and the guys are like no and she's like yes and they she convinces everyone really quickly um oh but also so in in the in the TV interview for for Huxley, right? Mm-hmm. They literally touch on like five different important things in three minutes and also never come back to it. <laughs> again. Like, like at one point, like the interviewer is like really twisting his words where they're like, so you're saying that like everyone should go take acid because it's amazing. And then he's like, no, it's not what I'm saying. And then the interview is like, that's literally what you just said. Um, and then he also talks about how like this is when he talks about how he hates TV, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's also he's also like I don't think TV is good. It's gonna be like the depth of objectivity. Like the radio made like elections more biased because instead of like listening to shit you believe in, you're Mm -hmm. just like listening to like how a candidate sounds and how excited they are and how nice their voice is and like if they sound like a righteous person and shit like that. Um, And he's like, I think TV is gonna be even worse. We're not gonna care like about what they say at all. And we're just going to, like, look at the candidates and like how they speak. And that's going to be it. And he just, like, he fires off all of these, like, kind of important things, which were, like, like, obviously this TV one is, like, separate and totally not related to the show. But then also this whole sense of, like, people just writing off drugs when they don't really
0: know anything about it. I feel like this was just like a let's show some, like, a personality from Addis Huxley because we haven't really seen him when he's not. High on acid,
2: or just like so. this is why he's an interesting person. Yeah, because I guess like we don't really know that he's impressive. But then <laughs> in this one, they're just like, let's fire off some reasons and never come back to it. But then like th- it's not like they're totally like I thought they're trying to make something of it because this same a similar type of scene happens at the beginning of the show, um, but it's Claire and Carrie and huxley and they're like Mm -hmm. they're lined up together but they're clearly doing like three separate interviews or appearances or whatever just felt like they had they had two of those scenes so i thought it was gonna do something but they don't have any in the second act which we're about to get to so yeah
0: it's like you know in eternals when the whole first half just feels like a lot of setup and you're like can we get to the point and this is like that scene where they're finally together and you're like, okay, now the real show can begin. So I think it is like just the most exciting part of the first act.
2: Yeah, I agree. And like, I was waiting for them to do acid together. Like that's, yeah. like that's what they that advertised. <laughs> right. And it took them like two hours to get there. On the
1: sunset, to a place you wouldn't dare the sunset. sunset Like a painting in the air. And mind of God knows Breaking where. free your safety To a place of no return. No
2: way else to grow until you love. So Act two, they all gather at Claire's super fancy new house in Malibu. And um Gerald is measuring out drugs. They all take drugs because Gerald's like, I feel like taking drugs too. So so the four of them are all on LSD. And then we've like seen this before, but Gerald chants because he's a proper hippie. <laughs> but Carrie <laughs> Grant is like, what the f- why the fuck am I here? Um, and then Ohm is such an interesting song because it's just one of those like amazing songs where everyone's singing over each other, but you can hear all of it and everything is really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Cary Grant is like, what am I doing here? Like, how did I end up here with these freaks? And then he's like getting hot, which I don't know if that's like a side effect of LSD. Um, but like he starts taking off his like socks and shoes or whatever. <laughs> it's very
0: scandalous.
2: Yeah. And then Claire and Huxley are like freaking out because Claire husband won't have sex with her as she repeatedly mentioned and Huxley's gay I mean not Huxley's gay Gerald is gay so the two of them are like freaking out and then um Claire's like I wish she would take off his shirt and then Gerald's like I wish he would take off his shirt and then Huxley is like Claire's feet is so weird and um (laughs) and then like the point of chanting is to like clear your mind and Gerald's like what the fuck are you supposed to think when you're chanting next to Cary Grant yeah Yeah, plus Gerald falls into Cary Grant's ass, so (laughs) that really breaks the ice. And then he pees his pants. Although, like, did he pee his pants or, like, did he jizz his pants? I assume that he, like, had an erection or something. Because he was like, I may have wet myself. And I was like, that's aggressive. Like, yeah. you grown man. Just because you fall onto someone's ass doesn't mean you should pee yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah I think that was just an excuse for him to go be
2: like, okay. I need to take care of this. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was what it was, too. So then he comes out in fat Henry's big-ass pants. And then, but during the time that he's doing this, Claire and Carrie and... Huxley. I, I feel like, Huxley knows.
0: Yeah, I feel like they really um struggled with Huxley, like in this show in general. Like I guess I sort of mentioned it where he is sort of dealing with grief and like sort of having a, a hard time with that. And this is that scene where they're like talking about his marriage, kind of. And and Huxley is obviously very smart and like he knows all about like flowers and like biology and like that's what this song is about they're like oh huxley knows everything and he's like oh well i don't know everything and there's this one moment where he's like yeah huxley doesn't know how to grieve and i thought they were gonna do more with that but then right after that they like turned it back to claire and carrie
1: yeah i feel the sun upon me and it's wonderful i feel the sun and i smell the sun
3: you can't smell the sun
1: i certainly do I smell the sun too. You smell the oxidation of the lipids in your skin through your clothes. Caused by the sun. Caused by the sun. <laughs> Who knew?
2: Hugsley knows. Hugsley <laughs> knows. My mother and I, I barely remember this.
0: It's basically like, oh, you have mommy issues? Guess what? I have mommy issues too. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically like, because carrie grant like resented his mother for like leaving him which is what he thought she did until he found out that she was in an insane asylum obviously claire like her mom died but i didn't i think it was this song and it's so subtle that i like forgot about it the second time we saw it. but in the because claire has this you know like very beautiful the set is truly wild for this whole show like you keep thinking you've Mm -hmm. seen all the set and then more set pieces come on and you're like where the fuck are they storing that um but this set there's like a whole sort of like um enclosed veranda sort of thing um of glass and like during the song you can see the reflections of um Claire's mom and daughter maybe Uh, in the glass of this veranda which is like kind of to the side and so the first time we saw it we were sitting orchestra right and i thought we were seeing the reflections because the other side of the orchestra could see the actual people on stage and i was like wow that's so smart like you know you can see the reflection so we can still see them even though they're like hidden behind this giant shrub um but the second time i saw it i was in like orchestra left and I couldn't see the people, so I don't think they're meant to be seen. But I also couldn't really see the reflections until I was like, "Who is that singing?" Because there are other female voices, and it is not Claire singing. So it was—it's a, a cool concept, but I don't know if it like fully works.
2: Yeah, I saw the reflection too, and it like freaked me out for a second. I—I <laughs> I, I also thought she was coming from behind the stage, and I thought like the. Like, the glass was just see-through. Oh, okay. Um, and, like, not reflection. So I was like, okay, she's, like, come to us from the back of the stage. And she's behind the glass right now. Um, but then she just walked on stage from the aisle. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Then we very quickly talk about Huxley. And then we move on from him for almost ever. Um, yeah, like, this is where we get
0: that sort of, like, <laughs> the music plays on again. Um And this time we like know for sure he is tripping on acid (laughs) and his wife comes out and they dance. And it's like very cute because he like can't remember the words and the other ones are trying to help him. And he's like talking about like something, a boat on the water (laughs) or something. And I think he's trying to rhyme it with on
2: or something like that. Uh
0: And they keep suggesting words. And he's like, no, it's a water scene. Like it has to do with water. And Gerald's
2: like, it's fun. And he's like, no,
0: water. And Carrie Grett is like, prawn? And he's like, no.
2: <laughs> and everyone's laughing at that, honestly. It's such a British thing to say. And <laughs> I like had immediate imagery of like gigantic shrimp jumping over a boat. <laughs> the actual word was swan for
0: anyone wondering. That was like the extent of his hallucinations was him trying to remember words to a song he used to listen to with his wife and i really thought they were going to go into this whole like british man who doesn't know how to feel emotions like grief sort of thing and they truly did not
2: that's true because he brings it up multiple times he's just like claire i can't talk about feelings because i've never met you
1: as the monster I mean, Master Maestro, uh, Maestro ends the walls with a wave of his Banana. B- 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 Beton a wielded room that sends the room, the music plays on.
0: And then Cary Grant's like, let me talk about me some more. And yeah. he starts talking <laughs> about how his marriage – at this point, was he, like, divorced from his wife yet? Or was he, like, about to be divorced from his wife?
2: I feel like he was
0: about to be divorced. Like, I feel like he was probably publicly separated. Gerald asks him about a possible return to the movies because, you know, he had He's just basically retired. just
2: like, man, that was so sad. Let me tell you about some hot girls I'm going to hook up with. <laughs> And he's like, oh, there's this new movie that I might be doing with Sophia
0: Loren. And he, he's, like, apparently in love with her or something. That was, like, very abrupt. I was like, okay, I guess we're just going to roll with this now. Um, And then he, like, you know, imagines her. And it, it it's, like, the one costume change of this entire show is, like, um, Claire's maid slash lady-in-waiting slash personal attendant girl <laughs> comes on stage and they like like italian a, yeah they do like this rip-off dress moment that is basically like the elsa and frozen dress change and all of a sudden she's like sophia loren and i was like oh, okay then um and i actually also like this number but it's called i like to lead and he's like oh you need to like like she's saying how she's in love with like I think the producer or the director of the movie or something she's like I'm gonna marry him and we're gonna be together forever and Carrie Grant's like no you need to marry me because I love you and we're gonna like I can be the only one that has you or whatever it's it's like a little bit chauvinistic um and she's like no well you need to learn how to let women lead and like you're not man enough to let a woman lead
2: and he's literally like I'm top billing and she's like that's not what I'm talking about <laughs>
0: Yeah, which I, I, this number was pretty fun because it's also like a dance number and Tony Yazbek is really great at dancing and also because they're technically both people that we know of and they're also showing clips of the movie that they did end up doing together and they show, I didn't realize this the first time, they show her slapping him in the movie like five times. Like they just keep repeating that one clip and I'm like, oh, Oh. okay then. (laughs) Like... But I think this one actually was successful in, like... And this is more what I was kind of hoping with the other characters to get, where she's basically like, you have mommy issues. The reason why you keep divorcing your wives... Because he had been married, like, what, four or five times at this point or something?
2: No, just three. But he oh, gets just three. married five times.
0: Okay. um, Just three times at this point. But she was like, oh, yeah, you always leave women so that they won't leave you because he's, like traumatized by when he was a child and he thought his mom had, like, abandoned him. And so, but it's all, like, in this sort of tango number, I guess. Um, And so I thought that was, like, really well executed because it is sort of, like, delving into his issues with, that he's dealing with. But at the same time, on the surface level, it seems like a completely different thing almost. The next number, I truly have no fucking clue. So great.
3: It's called...
0: um, um... Well, it's called rocket, rocket ship, ship <laughs> which is it really should be short for penis rocket ship.
2: Because yeah, I guess they just didn't want to play print that on the playbill. Yeah, which like or makes anywhere sense. else.
0: But he did mention like earlier in the act when he was like, "Oh yeah, like I have weird dreams. Like sometimes I imagine that I'm a giant phallus that gets shot into space, and everybody laughs at that. Little do we know that that is going to be an entire musical number." <laughs>
2: like yeah it transitions like right away from i like to lead like someone puts a pantyhose on his head and he's just like i'm a giant penis rocket ship and then he's just like bouncing all over the stage and at one point he well he humps he humps a palm tree and then he humps a bush um (laughs) which is really funny because it reminded me of greg (laughs) <laughs> yep. In, Crazy. In his or his scroll scroll. When he had sex with a bush. Um, like he properly goes in. Like palm tree hunks are not that friendly, you know? But like he goes in on that palm tree. At the very end of the show, Claire looks at her bushes and she's like, Huh, I guess the gardener didn't come this week.
0: Oh my god, um, wait, I totally missed that. <laughs>
2: like, wait. After what? they're all totally sober. I like, literally oh. don't remember that at all. I think it's when she's walking Huxley in to see her painting or whatever at the very Uh end when they're all sober. And then she's just like, oh, that's an ugly bush. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess they all forgot that he humped it. Wow. I noticed this
0: only the second time. He was like, oh, like, like, it's very manic when he's like, quote unquote, blasting off or something. But then he's like, oh, I'm losing altitude. Like, I'm falling or something. And he says something like, I can't find a safe place to land. So... I think that's what they're getting at. They're like, oh, he was at the peak of his career when he quit. But now that he's like, quote unquote, retired, which we know he's not really retired because he's about to go make this movie with Sophia Loren. Um, but when he was retired, he doesn't really know what to do because he and his wife are not getting along or like at this point are maybe divorced and he has nothing else to do with his life. So I guess he doesn't really know what he can do do now or something
2: yeah i mean isn't it just that other thing where like he can't really find a safe space because he doesn't trust any of his wives to not leave him and yeah shit so he's just like now that i'm getting older and tired of this shit i just wish that i had a good place to settle down yeah because
0: this song is so wild it's not stuff that you're like actively thinking about when the song is happening.
3: I am a giant penis rocket ship. Zoom, kaboom, I am a giant penis rocket ship. Upshoots the speeding penis to outer space and orbit. Saturn, Neptune, Venus, my John Wayne goes to orbit. I am a giant penis rocket ship. Zoom, zoom, I am a giant penis rocket ship a secret mission to cross the space invaders i aim my ammunition take that to martian raiders pow 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 get them blaster earth sped from disaster thanks to the giant penis rocket ship leaving earth behind me jupiter or bust ex-wives lawyers alimony agents press and all the phony suck you by, who suck you dry
0: Scene change for Claire's (laughs) it's like because at this point you think you've seen all the the different scenes because like Claire's house in Malibu alone is like pretty everything we've
2: described so far is like fully decked out like her house in Connecticut is fully decked out like there's like building structures and gardens and yeah
0: there's a bunch of like pictures of the sets and stuff that we will include in the show notes so that you guys can see. So my thing with Claire is that based on like very casual uh, like reactions to the show, everyone seems to really like Claire's song. But the thing is, like all of Claire's songs kind of sound the same and they kind of blend together. And I just really don't know enough about Claire to
2: care about her. Like, her songs have the only lyrics that I actually remember. And they're, like, very chanty. Um, I don't even remember a lot of it. But I remember, like, Sapphire Dragonfly because she, like, specifically talks about it. And I think she, like, compares her daughter to it or something. Mm -hmm. And um, she, like, repeats that line that's, like, what kind of deity and then whatever. And, like, she basically just, like, questions Why someone would create her perfect daughter and then kill her. Um, So, like, I agree they blend into each other, but I still do, like, her songs a lot because Mm. they make, they actually make sense. And it's, like, they're, like, the only songs that I remember lyrics from. (laughs) Also, I just looked up Claire, like, in real life. And, like, she truly was a hot senator. So, I don't know (laughs) what was wrong with her husband. Like, you know how, like, sometimes people get cast a lot cuter than they are? Right. She's like a cute lady, like a cute middle-aged lady. Mm. Yeah, so, I see it. I mean, her mom was hot enough to be a hooker, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> that is what you find out in this
0: scene. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden this whole other set piece with a giant like palm frond tree it comes up and her mom is just like sitting in this hole in the stage with like one leg dangling down from the 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 edge of the hole and and she's like oh my god is this heaven and her mom's like pretty much like this is whatever you want it to be or something i don't know and then her daughter shows up and
2: she like has like i'm happy that like the only my only consolation is that you guys are together now
0: Never. yeah and her mom is like oh well like Anne, her daughter is in a very special place because she died a virgin and Anne is a total little shit and she's like yeah and grandma's in a different place because she died a whore
2: i thought she liked her grandma yeah right <laughs> she's still a little bitch to her
0: <laughs> yeah she's like um, i'm not a hooker that's not a polite
2: term i'm a courtesan what did she say she was. She was just like I entertained men who took care of our bills. Yeah, like, interesting. <laughs> we took to care of it. our household expenses. <laughs> yeah. No, before this, the car crash happens. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. they're yeah, all that's, sitting in the garden. Mm-hmm. Th- that's how they transition. They're sitting in the garden, and this is like after rocket ship when, like, they pick Cary Grant up off the floor and comfort him and then they all like go back to their garden lawn chairs and they're just like let's like just like clear our heads and enjoy some like fun peaceful hallucinations (laughs) um and then like there's like barely audible like street noises coming through and you don't even really like as like an audience you don't really realize there are street noises Mm -hmm. until like halfway in or maybe more and then they become like more and more audible and like street noises and then that's when you see her daughter walking on stage from the aisle so like her back is facing everyone so you can't really see her oh my god it would be so weird to sit in like the first row of oh yeah that that aisle if you like i would freak out oh my god that's so creepy fuck (laughs) oh my god that's creepy as fuck anyways so like you see her walking up and her back is towards the audience and then um and then like the street sounds like morph into this like big ass crash. Claire opens her eyes, she sees her daughter and her daughter turns around and her face is just like covered in blood. Um because mm-hmm. it's like after her car crash and then Claire screams and like chases her daughter off stage. And then the beautiful palm tree shows up. And this is when um
0: her daughter is like, "Well, you weren't even there for me. Like what would you have done? Like cuz you were always busy." And um she sings a song called "If only I'd known." and because she, she like also the whole part about her mom quote-unquote entertaining men was like a surprise to her so she really truly did not know either of these people at all
2: but um, like how did she know that through lsd like i guess she maybe had, like had known maybe she had like Her
0: mom probably had a lot of like strange men over and she like as a child didn't know what the implications were. And maybe she remembered that on LSD and was like, Oh fuck, she was fucking them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
0: But yeah, and then it it all culminates in this whole thing where they're like, you have to like let go or like you have to find peace. And then she sings this entire number called Hal, which I literally cannot tell you any of the words in that song, but it's like, the closest thing, maybe, to, like, a big 11 o'clock number that we have, she was the one that, like, originally James Lapine read a biography of her, and he was like, I want to write a musical, or a play, I guess, maybe at that point. And then he realized that she was... um into lsd in the 50s and he was like because apparently i think she was his parents age or something he's like i cannot imagine my parents doing lsd and so i think that was sort of what kicked off this show i still laugh at that one quote where like people are like oh well like you know we've never done lsd so we don't know how to design this and james lepine is like don't worry i've done enough lsd for all of us
1: (laughs) how do you get through life bereft of faith After you've prayed the seventh day, who listens on the eighth? Does prayer dissolve in ether and vanish in the void? How do you bear your burdens with belief itself destroyed?
2: Gerald is like Claire come with us we're going to oh, the yeah. beach mm-hmm. and then Claire is like I'm busy finding my mother's leg in this bush
0: <laughs> oh um, my god
2: wait I can't believe we didn't even talk about
0: that <laughs> her mom's literally like sitting in this thing and she's like Claire go be a deer and find my other leg and everybody in the audience is like what the fuck but Claire is like
2: oh okay well where is it? she's like it's in the bush you have to go find it And then she's like, yeah, it just, like, broke there during my car crash. So, yep. She actually does find
0: a leg in the bush, which is basically right over the orchestra pit. And she gives it to her mom, and her mom just, like, attaches it and crosses her other actual leg over it. And it is truly wild.
2: And Gerald's like, you know, you seem... Like, a little crazed, I think you should come with me. And she's like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm having the time of my life with my mom and my daughter. And Gerald's like, you know what? Fine. He goes to the beach with Cary Grant and Huxley. I feel like the writers of the show don't know how an ocean on the <laughs> West Coast works. Like... I know there are some oceans. So like, okay, so like these three guys, they're all on LSD and they're like, yeah, let's go to the beach. They go into the water. They're like ankle deep. Let's like, they're like, do we dare to go knee deep? Oh my God. And they do it. And they're like, wow. And then they're like, let's go waist deep. Let's go chest deep. There are oceans in this world where like you can go chest deep, but like California oceans are surfing oceans. And if you actually go chest deep, you might as well just drown.
0: (laughs) it's like how when in in the heights uh they're talking about like how nina's at stanford and he's like yeah back in stanford where you can see the ocean and everybody who has ever been to the bay area is like yeah so lynn's never been to stanford
2: (laughs) they're like totally fine until cary grant sees his feminine childhood self appear in the water screaming for Mm -hmm. help which is very ominous um, And then it's, like, weird because he knows it's not real, but then he goes after it anyway. And then Gerald and Huxley are like, oh, my God, he's crazy.
0: Yeah. He's like, oh, my God, there's a boy drowning. I have to save him. Like, he can't stop himself from going after it. I found this funny where, uh, you know, in OM, the, the first number of this act, like, both Gerald and Claire are like, I wish he'd take his shirt off. And then right after Claire has whole, her whole hallucination, we cut to all three of them with their shirt off. And so Claire is just missing out. Also, he's the only one that brought uh, swimming trunks, which
2: I Yeah, I like hilarious. how they specifically call that out. Which, like, I assume they just wanted to dress Cary Grant in, like, a form-fitting swimsuit. <laughs> um But it's like truly a random call out. They're like, yeah, like Gerald and Huxley are like, these pants are falling off because Henry's so fat. We should have been like you and brought our own swim trunks. And like, why the fuck would Cary Grant show up to a random person's house with swim trunks in tow? The
0: cool part of the scene is it's literally like, you know, we've seen all these super cool set pieces. And again, this stage is fucking huge. And they just, like, empty out the entire stage. They just use the walls in the back for projection. Um, It's a little bit shaped like the Mean Girls stage, but they're actual, like, projection screens and not screen screens. Uh, where But it's, like, rounded in the back. And they just bring in, like, a fog machine or five. And they're like, yeah, we're going to fill this entire thing full of fog to, like, be in the ocean. And during the first time i saw this i legitimately thought that they were gonna like all take off their pants and the fog would be dense enough to hide it in an artsy way or something which they do not but i was a little bit concerned there because we have seen many unsuspecting penises that we were not prepared for in theater yep i thought we were gonna see some dicks too so gerald saves him um they swim back to shore and then they're like you know what this needs (laughs) Brandy. <laughs> so
2: also like i don't know why but like huxley like is also drowning or something like he's just being a useless bitch
3: Three Englishmen, or two plus him, are heading deeper into to swim. I'm scared. I'm blind, but why be grim? Go forth and seize the day, kid. Suppose we lose our bathing suits. Expose your manly attributes. Can't three such damned attractive brutes swim unashamed and naked. Naked? Naked. Naked? Naked! naked.
2: And then... They have the 23rd ingredient, which is basically, Huxley is like, every human is made of exactly 22... like 22 ingredients make up a person and it's like potassium whatever and um everyone's like oh my god do not list all 22 of them i swear to fucking god i will kill you (laughs) and he's like no i I don't know all of them that would be weird and they're like okay finally something he doesn't know and he's like no i know it i was just being nice (laughs) um but then he's just like the 23rd ingredient is what like makes everyone different from one another and like Mm -hmm. all of us interesting and like all of that crap so he like sings about that a little bit. And then um, Claire's like, come in, I want to show you a painting. So they like get to this painting and then I think like they're basically just supposed to bond over like both losing somebody to mm-hmm. death. So like they share a hug and then meanwhile, Gerald and Carrie just like chant and kind of become friends. I thought the first time we saw it, it seemed more like they were gonna hook up but this time it didn't
0: they like definitely had a super long pause the first time when uh because basically Cary Grant is super grateful to Gerald for singing saving his life and so he like walks up to Gerald and it looks like they're about to make out or something and obviously Gerald would be very excited about that but then instead he just like like pats him on the shoulder or something he's like You're a good dude or whatever. Like, it's a nice way to end the show because it's like, oh, they've achieved, like, inner peace or whatever. But really, like, nothing has truly been resolved. I guess, like, I think Cary Grant probably has the most character work done because after he almost drowns, he's like, like, they ask him, like, oh, who did you see in the ocean? He's like, oh, it was myself. Like, I could never be that boy again or something. And then... He introduces himself as Archie Leach or Archibald Leach, who which is his like birth name, and they sort of say, like, Oh, hi, Archie, it's nice to meet you. And that's like kind of a nice
2: moment. So I guess Carrie Grant's stuff is a little bit resolved. Well, and then Claire's also like cause like she's like kinda scarred because she didn't really have a great experience. Like she saw her daughter looking like death and then Mm -hmm. like And then her daughter told her she was a terrible mother and all this stuff. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do this drug anymore. This is it for me. Right. So I guess it's kind of like maybe it helped her get some closure. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. Huxley gets
0: fucking nothing. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I guess it's
0: mostly him singing The 23rd Ingredient because, you know, Huxley knows everything. But it's like, that doesn't really help him with his wife or anything. I don't know.
1: This was an experiment we set out to share. That we did to some extent. Briefly here and there. Memory, experience, all we recollect. The
3: 23rd Ingredient. Our differences connect.
1: The drug is like a mirror,
3: isn't it? A funhouse mirror. A living dream, really? A different perspective. Yes. Also a Pandora's box. (laughs) Sometimes that too.
0: (laughs) The first time we saw this, I was like, I do like this show. And like, again, part of that was probably because it was the first preview. So I was like, maybe they'll fix a bunch of stuff. Which they did not. So then the second time I saw it, I was like, I mean, I think there are still things to like from it, but I just expected them to have like delved more into basically everything that we just talked about. (laughs) If we want to talk like Tony chances, what is even up
2: this season? Hold on. I mean, I feel like I don't even know if this is going to get nominated for actors, but probably lighting and set yeah and that might be it i think <laughs> um carmen cusack
0: might get an actor actress for claire booth Luce because i don't think there are that many leading female actresses like we have diana which is diana um girl from the north country i think has
2: one I think The Mom will probably get nominated. Okay.
0: Mrs. Doubtfire, there's also The Mom. Paradise Square has one, at least one. Six is all featured, so, like, there's no competition there. Um, I don't think A Strange Loop has a leading actress. And then it's basically all the revivals. It's, like, Carolina Change, Company, Funny Girl, and Music Man. So, like, all four of those are probably going to get nominees. And there are usually five nominees, I think, for more than eight shows which I do think we have so I think it is possible that we get a a nominee for Carmen Cusack for leading actress for the men though I think there are too many men in this season (laughs) Uh, how many new scores we have we have Diana flying over sunset is Mr. Saturday Night new I don't know Mrs. Doubtfire six a strange loop so that's five scores so it's possibly like the score will be nominated um i think choreography probably too just because that one like tap dancing and also the like i like to lead choreography is pretty fun okay
2: i can see that
0: well we obviously this is the first new new show that we've been doing that was not playing pre-pandemic but we will be going through all the other shows that are new um so you can follow us on whichever podcast player you would like we're on apple music spotify and all the other major ones bottomless broadway you can also follow us on twitter or instagram at bottomless bway and email us at bottomless at gmail.com if you have any other comments i'm actually really curious to hear from anyone else who might have seen this show and see if you had strong thoughts about anything that we've mentioned. And you can also find our old episodes on Diana, uh, Company 6, and all those in our podcast feed if you would like to go through them as well. So we'll be back with some other new musical.
1: Oh, I miss the shores of California, strolling on the soft white sand, sliding off my bra. crossing hollywood and vine flying over sunset past the hollywood land sign riding with the top down eyeing all the tan young men i could have had my choice of any then and i'm flying over sunset